And we are off. Hello, everybody. And running. Um, so where do you want to start? Where do we want to start? I guess we're going to talk about how you've been intolerable on Twitter as of late. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't think so, but okay. It just seems like... Now, um, aside from the uh, Bitcoin, which yeah. I'm asking for, uh-huh. uh, it just seems like every time I send you a tweet, like it, it's never like, okay, it's always like picking it apart or something, or like, you're wrong, but you know, it, it's like... I'm I'm confused because I don't I don't seem to remember me being particularly intolerable. That's not to say I haven't been. It's just I don't remember it. I'm not sure if there's any examples. We haven't talked too much in the last couple weeks, or but when they have, uh, maybe yeah. I don't. I would have to hunt down examples, and that would take time. And maybe I'm just having a you know a selective memory. But let's talk about the Bitcoin thing since uh, that's the most recent thing where. Um, yeah. But I was picking a fight. I wasn't. I'm not blaming you for being intolerable there. It's. I, I feel that you're definitely slanting this story to your dislike of Bitcoin. I have. I've had two responses, three responses to you in the past week and a half. Okay. So it has <laughs> two of them have have. To, uh, Maybe it is Bitcoin. Bitcoin yes, you seem to be very defensive <laughs> about Bitcoin. No, I just feel that uh, I'm not. You know, if you were arguing about how it's been manipulated by organized crime and all that other stuff, you know, that's fine. Uh-huh. I just feel that you know the last couple. Um, well, let me let me stances. clarify. This is basically it's a new argument that I hadn't heard that I thought was brilliant, and okay. uh, I don't know whether it's necessarily best it's, it's certainly the newest and freshest in my mind okay. that i heard and i was like wow that's a really good argument whether it's the best argument or not might not be there are plenty of other arguments okay. at this point but this one was like wow yeah here's all a right. really good argument all right and the argument is the argument is that bitcoin is by its very nature in fact it's designed to be a extremely wasteful enterprise the more energy you put into it the more it simply goes to waste by design mm-hmm. so you could put the entire output of the sun into Bitcoin, and it would still only be capable of doing what it's doing now. Right. That's a that, that means it is by definition an entropy machine. It is extraordinarily it's, wasteful. So they have that ratchet on it that makes it increasingly difficult to mm-hmm. counteract the increases in computational yeah. power. And keep in mind, the computational power that's going to Bitcoin can be used for nothing else but Bitcoin. There is no other use that anyone has found sure. for this sort of uh, difficulty computational stuff besides it's simply busy work. So you're simply increasing the amount of busy work that a computer has to do based right. on how much energy is put into it. Right. To derive something of value, to, to mine Bitcoin. And it has value in the market today. See, the energy that you're putting in has value. You have not convinced me that the Bitcoin itself has the, the value people that are i don't have to convince you the people that are mining bitcoin are able to sell their bitcoin so they're they don't have to convince you fair enough good point okay and they're doing it at a net profit or they wouldn't be mining bitcoin it's questionable as to whether they're doing it at, well they're doing a net profit but whether it's solely out of bitcoin or whether it's simply because bitcoin facilitates them getting uh wealth from there are people who are not criminals that mine Bitcoin, they have Bitcoin mining rigs and, and turn profit. There are people who are 
not necessarily criminals, but they know that they are doing it on the backs of criminal transactions. There is... Okay, I don't have numbers on here, but I'm going to guess there are is an extraordinary minority of transactions on Bitcoin that are not in some way uh, illegal, yeah. whether it's I, fraud or something else. I guess. I don't know. But if... Money laundering. Yes, I haven't thought too much about this angle, right? If the entire market for Bitcoin is illegal activity and you're at mining coin and selling it at the market rate, you know... The, is You're that, facilitating illegal. Well, is business. that like trading in blood diamonds or something, right? <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I haven't thought about that too much. I, I had a good analogy in the shower this morning, you know, because I've been using this gold mining argument with mm-hmm. you. And I think maybe a more appropriate one is where when the government prints money, right, it costs much less to print a dollar than a dollar, right? It costs it costs the government more money to make pennies than pennies. Well, okay, so, and nickels too now. But well, anyway, well, let's talk about dollars, yeah, okay. okay, or something, or hundred dollar bills, or right, whatever, yes, right? Yes. So, but what Bitcoin mining is is printing money, but with the requisite amount of work that the resources that go into it are equivalent to the value that you get out of it, right? So instead of printing money, where you're making up value on paper right it's you're printing money but you have to put that much work into it to actually get the money out because bitcoin is traded on speculative markets i would say that that's probably not true at all Uh, in fact it's much more uh, a multiplication multiplier of the actual work that's put into it because it's being used as a speculative commodity sure but i see where you're coming from and those are my arguments you were talking about how uh random isn't scarce Yes, and and, and you were and I think a previous tweet was a, was random oriented as well. Um, the one that got me thinking about how you know. About, well, I was talking about how Bitcoin is like a star registry or, or moon realty. That, right. That's that's my comparison, and those are effectively random. I mean, where where there are spots of things on the moon is completely random as, as to what might be a development in the future. And in addition, it also goes to show that just because somebody says you have some land property doesn't mean anybody's going to enforce it. So it's completely useless. No, and they can't even give it. So yeah. it's, it's all a scam. And there's no one to enforce Bitcoin. By its nature, it is stateless and, in, and unenforceable. Sure. Yeah, I mean, if you went to redeem some money and you get, transacted your Bitcoin and they refused to give you your money... You wouldn't have much recourse. No. Nope. Violence. That's why you use a uh, reputable exchange. Yes. All the ones that, that go for two years and then fall apart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All those yes. reputable exchanges. Yes. <laughs> I'm not saying that it's perfect. Uh, you know, I'm only arguing very specific parts mm-hmm. of what you were arguing. Mm-hmm. And uh, Well, so it, it, it occurs to me that... Look, Bitcoin is a failed experiment. I think, that, I think it's clear to anybody but a true believer. But there are reasonable things to think about from blockchain, you know, using that sort of idea. That's, that's fine. I accept that. However, this argument kind of says the blockchain itself is a very wasteful activity, particularly if used in a Bitcoin way. Particularly if, if it becomes a contest mm-hmm. to distribute certain things based on how much energy you're wasting. And that is negative. So, I mean, the blockchain... 
might be effective if it is pared down to be as efficient as possible. You're awful worried about compute energy all of a sudden. It's just another argument. It's another okay. it's another arrow in the quiver. Everything is energy intensive. I mean, look at the world we live in. Yeah. And you know, perhaps it's not great to create universal entry, entropy machines until we have a way of making sustainable sources of energy because our civilization is going to keep requiring more and more energy. Right. Mining Bitcoin, letting your farts on fire. Same thing. Let people do what they want. Right. If, if the market is that open, sure. But is it? <laughs> For the miners? I mean, if you're an independent miner and you're able, actually able to compete in this day? Well, letting your farts on fire is not exactly using up a valuable resource that is... Uh, it's actually reducing methane, right? Because you're lighting it on fire <laughs> instead of letting it go out. Whereas Bitcoin mining, by necessity, is using up a valuable resource. So it is a net harm to society. So, no, I would say that they, they, don't, uh, they, they don't equal out in terms of harm to society. Okay. I think you're really slicing it thin there. Well, I think you're 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 pulling in an argument that has nothing to do with it. So of course I'm going to slice it thin. <laughs> Let's talk about the 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 speed of light thing because you sent you you did a Twitter thing and I was like, you're right, you're absolutely right. <laughs> uh, you, you pointed to something on on, on a Wikipedia site and it, it got me real. It, I, and I wasn't trying to rub it in. I was just like, oh my gosh, I think I yeah. science Greg. Sweet. <laughs> uh, and um, the, the long and short of it is it made me realize what it was, what that subtle thing was that we were missing. Right. What's no, I, I agree. Like you said, that the clock coming towards you will be less slower than the clock leaving you. Sure, yes. that makes sense. Yes. But it, the, the clock will always be slower than your clock. Right. And the reason why... Is if you remember that graph you made before, mm-hmm. you you weren't taking into account. Neither was I. When I looked at it, simultaneity is not conserved. So you were taking account the say. Let's say I'm in the ship. You're standing still. Mm-hmm. You say you say I have 20 light seconds to get to you. I see you, and you're 20 light seconds away. Right. And so you say, okay, well, his clock. He's moving at half speed. He, when he gets halfway. You know, in between that's well, a second. I, I, if I knew your velocity, I could mm-hmm. assume that if I see you twenty seconds away, you're actually ten light seconds away. Right, but you, but you can't observe that. But I mean, you you made the you made the point where if you move across one of those uh, or two of those um, boxes, sure. mm-hmm. the halfway point, I would send a tick to you. Right. But the thing is, that's from your measurement of distance. Not mine. That's right. from your measurement of a half a second. Not mine. Oh, right. Okay. So, yeah, that's what we were. That's what was missing. I knew <laughs> there was something missing, and there's that squishy um, amount of distance traveled mm-hmm. because your second. Is going to be longer, so you're going to be traveling further than 
I see you travel in a second. In, in the period of time where you would say I've traveled a half a second, mm-hmm. I would not have counted that as a half a second right. from my clock. So my tick is going to come from a lot further down than half a second from what right. you see. Right. So that's the, that's, that's the, what it's the simultaneity is that that's the that's the missing picture. That's the missing thing. So and, so actually, remember how I said uh, there's I feel that there's something between the correlation of the two graphs, mm-hmm. right? And you're like, oh, they're irrelevant, you know. But I think that's what it is, right? Because on the bottom graph, that's A perspectives. Yeah. Second. And the top graph, it was B perspective second. And I that's so I I was like, oh, that close. Yeah, you were. That yeah. close. <laughs> uh it it's it shows the advantage of uh, even when you think you know something, going back to a textbook and looking at it to say, "Oh yeah, what am I missing?" Well, here? I mean, we had we had spent what yeah. well over an hour talking about that problem. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, let's see what the Google has mm-hmm. to say about this thing. But so yeah, so I, I think that um, we both are correct in some sense in that you were saying that the clock would be slower, uh, and I was saying that the clock would be faster coming in and slower going out. But the reasoning. For the clock being slower, I, I missed that the clock would be constantly slower. Of course, mm-hmm. uh, and and you sort of missed it. It would still. I mean, you, you accepted no. it, but you you weren't. No, I mean, I ne- yes, I didn't think. I I never really thought too closely on whether they were exactly the same speed. Yeah, uh, I think it was more so the same speed equals slower than equal to or faster than mm-hmm. i really wasn't looking any more fine-grained than that yeah and um and i was really i was doing two things right it was i was using what i've been told mm-hmm. basically all my life you know flight of the navigator type shit where you know his time moves slower and then the whole the v-shaped photon right. panel clock thing and just when i was reconciling all those things that's that's how i got the answer and yeah, it, it's it's a it's one of those great questions because I think we solved it before we have the solution, so that that's cool. Um, and it, it's a great puzzle that we figured out. Mm-hmm. I love it, um, but it also shows how relativity is just so counterintuitive, and you have to kind of keep even just like on a concept level, right? You have to oh. keep thinking about all these things. Yeah, I saw you say simultaneity, but I didn't look into it to figure out what yeah. it meant. I figured I would learn today, and. Oh, it was definitely it was the it was the correlation between those mm-hmm. two graphs. So close, <laughs> so close to getting it all right. Anyway, it's the first time in like five years I've outscienced Greg, especially in. Uh, I'm relativity. happy to be outscienced, <laughs> but you know, I, we used to like you know ten years ago, right? We were uh-huh. pretty equal in our knowledge on this stuff, and then you just got in, you know, a rocket ship and took I, off. And uh, since your really time since your time's moving slower, you have a lot more time to study it. <laughs> it's true. I don't have kids. Um, <laughs> your time's moving slower. My time is moving considerably slower. I can concentrate on myself. Um, <laughs> and believe me, I need help. Okay. Uh, so yeah. So uh, a, a response. I got a response from the Bitcoin from another guy. He said, uh, "How is not Bitcoin's fault that?" That mining it requires vast electricity. My response was, how is it not Bitcoin's fault that its principal mechanism is a competition to see who can do the most useless work? But it's your opinion it's useless. Their opinion is they're getting value from mining Bitcoin. But he's saying it's not Bitcoin's fault that it requires vast electricity. I'm saying it is absolutely Bitcoin's fault that it requires because it's built into the protocol. 
Right. If you if you, if you say that's valuable, then okay. But saying that it's not Bitcoin's fault, no, it's designed to do this. It is very much. I mean, it's 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 part and parcel how it works. Right. I mean, the thing is, the people that are listening that might not know the this thing where it gets harder and harder. Right. It's basically, you know. The theory of Bitcoin, I'm not going to try to argue about how it works today, is that coin is discovered at a constant rate. Mm -hmm. And when you have more people mining, when you have faster computers, faster ASICs doing it, you need to multiply the amount of work to keep those coins being discovered at the constant rate. You know, say you want one coin discovered a day, right? Then you have to, you know, if there's twice as much compute going into mining then it has to be twice as hard to discover that one coin a day. And that's the way the algorithm works. And, and Greg's talking about eventually it's going to take the entire universe's amount of energy to find the next coin. And Well, I mean, you could literally dump the entire, the entire energy output of the world into the Bitcoin network right now, and it would not be any faster in terms of its ability to two transactions. Right now it's capable of doing three transactions per second. The Visa network is capable of doing something like twenty to 50,000 transactions per second to give you an idea. So as a payment processor, Bitcoin is a complete failure. As a store of value, there's other questions. Mm-hmm. You, if you turned it all on at once, you might get a rash of Bitcoins before they adjust the algorithm. Uh, How does that work? The algorithm is, is I believe, is adjusted per block. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess so. so. So actually what you could do is you could turn it on, have all that, have it adjust the difficulty, and then shut the power off completely and you'd have a Frisbee on the roof. Because <laughs> they'd never, cause you'd you'd never, never get able, there. Yeah, you never get there. <laughs> Until they turn the power back on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Frisbee on the roof. You never heard of that? Yeah. That's I mean, I, I, no, I've never heard of, you know, in an algorithm or something like that. <laughs> use that use that analogy. That's great. <laughs> I, I read that a while ago. It's, they call it the Frisbee on the Roof scenario. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> That's awesome. That's so awesome. Who thought of that? It needs an award. <laughs> uh, there was a really interesting article came out from... Um, uh, it was a research paper from the uh, PNAS, the uh, Planetary uh, Something Academy of Sciences. Okay. Um, discovery of potentially biogenic carbon preserved in a 4.1 okay. billion year old zircon. If this is accurate, then to me, I feel it really raises the level of, it raises the possibility of panspermia to something. Mm-hmm. extraordinarily significant. Uh, this would mean that there was life on Earth before it cooled. And it's it's hard to imagine an abiogenesis situation mm-hmm. on a molten Earth. Right. So this would be a lot of evidence. There was another article I saw today. Um, was it on Scientific American I saw it? Yeah, it was on Siam. Um talking about and you might have seen this talked about elsewhere the idea of uh, you know you mentioned you feel that the universe is probably lousy with life right Uh the this article was about how hard it is for 
a habitable planet to stay habitable for the first billion years. Mm-hmm. And um, and they made it, you know, they their the way they were calculating things is like, you know, life could potentially start several times on a planet and get wiped out by bombardment and stuff sure. like that. So it's kind of like what you were saying. I mean, maybe not a so you said in Zircon and stuff, so a molten planet. But you you could imagine it's still a very hot planet where there's a nice pool of water where mm-hmm. life starts, you know, and um Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. There could be multiple abiogenesis events that happened um all the time, yeah. but they in fact they could be happening now. It's just they would be immediately eaten by other life or destroyed by some yeah, other Yeah, well, that's, I guess that's a good point. You know, stuff down at the hot events, you know, you get a couple of amino acids that make life, right? And then fish eats it. Yeah. yeah have you ever seen, um, the so kids have watched it, but the Minions? No. The opening sequence, right? It's, it's the you know, the Minions are always following the biggest, baddest guy, right? And uh, so it, it's basically through evolution, right? There are these tiny little cells, and there's a bigger cell that eats things, and like, they follow him, and it goes through fish and then dinosaurs and, and whatnot. But, you know, at that very beginning, you can kind of, you know, it's just all predator and prey stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. And Minions are just following along. Yeah, yeah it's just following along. But... Well, it's like the, it's like the um, what are those fish called that, that go around with the sharks? Pilot fish? Yeah, pilot fish. Um, hey, yeah, it's a, it's a lot a of living. chum in the a lot of chum in the water. Yeah. <laughs> Easy peasy. I don't have to hunt; just pick up the scraps. Um, uh, so I watched the I watched the two new episodes of the X Files. I watched the first one, which was a piece of garbage, uh, and I watched uh, the one that everyone started raving about. People were raving about the first one on no, my Twitter. No, 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 no. Okay. No, no, on my Twitter, people were like raving about the first one. What a pile. You were like the dissenting voice of my Twitter. Uh, yeah, go ahead and watch it if you want to just... No, I never watched... I never liked the old X-Files really, so. Yeah, neither did I. I, I, I actually kind of sort of liked the movie, the first movie, when I saw it. I didn't know anything about the X-Files, and okay. I kind of, was kind of sort of entertained by it. And then I saw the, the episode with Brian Cranston, and it was really good. Uh, and then I watched other episodes and never liked much of what I saw. Mm-hmm. I, I saw one that everyone says is a great episode, the um, uh, Jose Chung's from Outer Space, and I did not like that at all. And then I saw this this latest one, uh, which is Mulder and Scully meet the werewolf, and again, I did not like it at all. I, I Well, I particularly... I think Riz Darby did, has a great performance, but it was all Riz Darby and... He's Murray from Flight of the Concords. So it was sort of just banking on him. And he's a very likable and fun character. Sure. The story itself was kind of sort of clever, I suppose. Uh, Gillian Anderson, I'm not sure whether she was terrible in it or whether she was just so lacking in narrative focus that it, it, it was as, as if she was terrible because she wasn't really in it. Uh, but David Duchovny was just wooden and awful. Awful. Uh, and hey, I love Kamel Nanjiani. I think he's really funny. I think he's great. I thought he was terrible in this. Yeah. So you know, it it's it's not for me. This X Files is not for me. You know, uh, you know, I'm getting to know a lot of the comedians that are on At Midnight, right? And Whitney Cummings and uh, Chris Deba Delba De- Delia or yeah. whatever. You know. They're, they're pretty funny on there. You know, they're not the best ever. But uh, I walked up, I caught like five minutes of whatever show they're on now. 
they were on a show called Whitney. Whitney. No, yeah. they're both on a new show now. Okay. Undateable? Undateable. Undateable, okay. Yeah. And He's on Undateable, I know. Oh, and Funches is on it too, right? Yeah, Funches, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I saw like five minutes of this thing, right? And it's like, why... I, I guess I guess you know it's the whole machine is made just to get it out there and get it you know popular and mm-hmm. get the money. It's like, but these guys like could just work with the writers a little bit and punch it up and make it yeah. not suck. Yeah, I mean the, the interesting thing about Midnight is Midnight. I mean, there's an allusion to Midnight. Mm-hmm. The truth is, anybody could go out and do well in that show, right? Because what they do is they pair they 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 have a writers' room mm-hmm. that goes through. Find stuff, and and then when people come in, they pair them with a writer, and they are basically pitch jokes, 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 jokes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're allowed their own input and stuff like that, and especially comedians come along to put their own voice on things. But they're right. given, I mean, mm-hmm. stacks of jokes. Sure, things. sure. And so a lot of oh, it comes would you, down would to performance also. Would you rather the show suck? No, no, I, I, <laughs> right. I think it's great. You know, it, yeah. but it, it's sort of a new Hollywood Squares in, in that mm-hmm. sense. And yeah. that it, it's not these people coming off of things on the top of their It's head. not improv, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's... Uh, it's very much prepared in any, but performance is an issue. I mean, people can perform. I mean, Ron Funches is great at performing yeah. the stuff. But, and, but also, knowing that th- what you just said, it's also refreshing when you catch something that is spontaneous. You yeah, know, something that was a callback from something just a few minutes ago or something. And it's really funny. Mm-hmm. It's, it's yeah, great I mean, when you see that. you can see when, and you can also tell when when they're having fun, and that mm-hmm. that that comes through really well. Right. Yeah, so, yeah, and I was so, like, like, oh, it just, like, it just feels, I feel dirty, like, for those guys. I mean, you know, like, just doing these shitty jokes to get the paycheck, but that's the life house. It's life in Hollywood, so. There are people who love it. Mm hmm. And, yeah, sometimes you gotta swallow your pride and just do something to to get a paycheck. Look, there are, um, there's shit I've worked on. I know <laughs> that, that shit. I know it happens. Just like there's such a dichotomy from the TV that I watch, yeah, and that, right, right. And that's the thing about the X Files. You know, times like, I'll catch like you know a rerun of Mike and Molly or something. It's like so bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like about the X Files, I didn't like it. That doesn't mean that other people are wrong for like for for liking it. It just means that it does not appeal to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if some and that's only valuable to you, if based on how you, what you know of me, if your if if your choices are similar to mine, if they are, then you have a good bearing. If not, um, I think our show is is more useful because like the beer show, we we concentrate on, on thorough analysis. We talk about what we like and what we don't like, but we also yeah, it's not about personality. Yeah, I mean it works its way in. It keeps the show alive. Right. Not being too stiff, but you know, we don't really want to put our personality into the information we're sharing, yeah, into the analysis, In, into what we think, yes, but not into the uh, you know, the strict analysis. And, and right. it inevitably does get in, but we try hard, even but no, I even try not to have any kind of agenda, yeah, even that. So, or in this show, yeah. <laughs> Pre-push agenda away. It is. It is all. It is us unfiltered. Um. So no X Files. Well, I wasn't going to watch it anyway. Yeah. Unless, well, unless, like you know, you came back and yeah. said, "Oh my God, it's Fargo." Yeah. Well, yeah. It was like I wasn't going to watch Mister Robot until you raved about it, and then 
hey, guess what? Jeff was right. <laughs> uh, That's twice this year. <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, so I, I, made, I did a tweet. I used to doing, explain my tweet sort of. But there was, um, I remember a while ago we did, uh, on the pre-show or post-show, we did predictions. And one of my predictions was that the internet would split at some point into sort of an internet I said it was going to be, you know, the, the IPv6 or Internet 2 and a sort of more technological... Were we talking about neutrality then? Or was this... No, no, no. It, so my concept was I saw that there would be a sort of more commercial Internet that would emerge and then a sort of back alley, uh, less less used, more technical Internet that would sort of stay around but not be as popular. And I think that I was wrong about the technology, but I think that is what has happened where you have... A lot of commercial surfers running on, on on the web. You have a dark web that's running underneath it. There's a, a lot of stuff going on, but it's really very minor in comparison to the major commercial activity. Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, the dark web is separate because it's illicit. Not always, but a lot of it is. Well, I mean, a dark web you, just means... How do you define the dark web, then? To me, so, the dark web is stuff that's like not in normal DNS. and you. Yeah, yeah. The dark web just means it's not, it's not stuff that's easily... Of, and it's easily accessible. Does not mean that it's necessarily I mean, it's things like private, um, uh, uh, private uh, servers for your company or something would be dark web. They're not indexed. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's to me the 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 closest to the surface dark web is uh, private websites, you know, BitTorrent trackers, mm-hmm. Usenet indexers, you know, those kinds of things. And then, but that's still on the internet. It's still using DNS. Well, yeah, it's, it's all, still, it's all still using the internet. It's all still using, it's, well, it's like, it's also using the highway system. <laughs> well, sure. But you know, when I think dark web, I don't really count those things. I sure by definition, because they're members only, you can't get an invite. You can't buy a membership. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a dark web exclusive club, but it's not, to me, the level of dark web is when you have to use like Tor hidden services and stuff like that, where it's that's like a, not on yeah. the internet. Yeah, well, that's a whole. To th- me, that's really that's web. just a, a different part. And really, that, that's just another club that's only accessible via a certain protocol. Mm-hmm. It's still part of the internet, right? Right. I'm saying to me, that's where that's kind of where the dark web starts. But I could I could say like you know private trackers and stuff could be in there too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, you know. Sure. I mean, but there's different uses. <sighs> split the internet. To me, a split means like there's... There, there's not a physical separation, it's true. It, it, but there's also... Yeah, I guess. Um, and there may be gradients, right? There may be... Yeah. This is partially hidden, or this is mostly hidden. But, but... I mean, there's... I mean, if you look at the usership of the internet, I mean, there's... Look at the illicit stuff that's on Usenet, right? Uh-huh. And it's not hidden at all. It's just right. not, my, my it's just not is, as easy to use. That was exactly my point. It. Is not that it would be necessarily hidden. It's just mm-hmm. simply it, it's it's technically obfuscated, and that yeah. that is alone enough to keep it separated, and in fact to keep it from really majorly affecting internet commerce. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's kind of surprising that. Things like Usenet are still um, uh, a fruitful place to do that kind of thing. 
um, that they've never drawn the ire of copyright holders too heavily enough to affect it because the bar to actually use it is significant. It just, yeah, it just gets to be too... And it's funny because, uh, you know, you can have automation that just doesn't, and it's not significant. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) but you have to set it up. Yeah, yeah. You got to go through all that process. You have to know things about it. Especially when more and more people don't see their computer and using the internet like a chemistry set. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, for us, we got a white beige box, a TV screen, and a modem. Yeah. And say, figure the fuck out, right? Chemistry set. Basically. And um, so many people that don't approach it at all that way. Are just given a toaster. Yeah. And, you know, you put your bread in here, you press a button, you get toast out. That's how it works. Don't 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 question anything. Right. <laughs> and I remember when I, I know, first the, got... The first question is, okay, so bread goes in, toast comes out. Where does the bread go? It's like when you know, got my first PC, right? The uh, I'm sorry, I I, I was I was <laughs> it wasn't my joke anyway. Oh, okay, so. I, I was I was lining this one up. <laughs> I, I I did I realized I didn't listen to you until after I so I'm sorry about that. But when I got my PC, my mom would get so mad because you know I probably like broke the hard drive, like broke the operating system. Really? Like, well, it was a family computer, right? Oh yeah, and. And, oh, Jeff broke the computer again. You know, I'm learning things, right? Mm-hmm. So I got to reinstall Windows again, you know, and had to do that probably four or five times before I, you know, understood enough to, mm-hmm. you know, because, again, I wanted to understand a lot of the nuts and bolts. And a part of that is, you know, when you don't know is you're you're breaking your operating yeah, system. I mean, let's see what happens. What happens if I delete this Windows directory, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I, I encourage my, my parents uh, when they got the computer. When they, you know, when they had to do computer stuff with that, we just, it's, it's really actually pretty hard to break stuff, especially with what they were doing. Mm-hmm. So just experiment, just play around. It can always be fixed. Uh, even if, you know, I, I said at the time, even when, if you open up your computer, it's still hard to break things. Just installing mm-hmm. a graphics card isn't really that difficult. It's really pretty, those are, those are pretty solid, especially at the time. Yeah. It, was, it was hard to break something. You had to really force It's hard something. until the shot, you get a little static, right, in just the wrong spot, and then... Yeah, yeah, sure. But you, you know, you learn. You learn from all these things. Oh, right. I mean, it's it's so it's so trite now that that it, it almost feels uh, or so overused. It almost feels trite, but it's still true. Which is, every you learn from mistakes. You don't learn by doing everything correctly. Oh, I can't imagine. I mean, how much I learned from. And even like, so this was a, a Packard Bell computer, right? And it had notorious, like the hard drive died like probably three times in the first year, right? Mm-hmm. So like doing support with them, format, F-disk, you know, and just like being forced into that path. And then uh, remember when I decided I wanted, I got my own computer and it was bare bones, so I had to put it together. Mm-hmm. But then I wanted to network the two computers. So I bought oh, yeah. 10 base two network cards and ran coax and <laughs> had to figure out how the terminators work and all that shit. And, uh. Yeah, I mean, like that was like speaking chemistry of, set, yeah. super fun times. Speaking of of of, uh, of networking, I was thinking about this. Does it, does it strike you that that Bitcoin is essentially uh, a a token ring network? It's uh, just the to- the token ring can now occur from any site. Do you know what token ring? Do you... I know basically what it is. I never 
really looked into too closely. I mean, the the idea behind so uh, before there was Ethernet stuff. That, I mean, it's kind of like uh, a director says, "It's your turn to talk. It's your turn to talk. It's right, your turn to talk." Yeah. It goes around in a circle, mm-hmm. and and you put your messages on the token ring, and you take your messages off the token ring when it's your turn to talk, and right. then the rest of the time you're waiting for your turn again. Right. That's. And and so the idea is that all of these systems could be the token ring, but as soon as the token goes out, it gets accepted. As soon as it fits the right parameters, mm-hmm. so the token can emerge from anywhere, but none of them can actually add to network until they have the token. Kind of a distributed token ring. Okay. Yeah, I never used the token ring network. Really, Neither have I. So. I just remember learning about it because my brain is filled with this stuff. <laughs> Um, you did ask, uh, so I made a voting tweet and you, you responded to it, I think. I said, who do you, do you say, which party do you suggest I register for, for the primary? Yeah. Well, so, so it was, I think it was in response to me, which was a response to somebody about work. who was like, I don't vote because, uh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I didn't, I didn't see that. All I saw was the, you should vote. Yeah. Because it makes a difference. Yeah. Well, I, I said, um. Here's the, here's the tweet. Voting is important. Know your vote is not canceled out, especially if there are more people on your side than the other. I understand what, where the where the idea comes from because you think, hey, I know Steve, right? Mm-hmm. Steve is going to vote the opposite of me. Well, our votes are just going to cancel out. And naively, you might think that's true. The thing is Steve's that... Steve's going to vote even if you don't. Well, no. The, the, the thing is that what if, the, what if there are five people like you who all say Steve is going to cancel out my vote? Well, no, Steve's only going to cancel out one of your votes. Sure. The other four, Steve, Steve isn't going to cancel out. And you don't know which one is going to cancel out. So, yeah, vote. Because, no, just because you know somebody else is going to vote doesn't mean that they're going to cancel out yours. It's hard to, to think that way. I know. It, it, it's hard for me to think that way. It, it's, it's natural to, to think I know somebody. That situation means it's, it's parody. Oh. I'm a de- Statistics is... You know, it, it's not exactly the easiest uh, thing to to learn, but you took that and and no, I, I wasn't I wasn't commenting directly against your tweet. I was in the same subject. Hey, Greg, because right now I am I'm still registered yeah. libertarian, never changed it, mm-hmm. and uh, never been, haven't been able to vote in a primary since. Yeah, so I'm still registered independent. So I said, which party do you suggest I? Uh, register for for the primary, uh-huh. and you reply. This is part of the the intel- like just because you like instead of just like well no because I felt like you were trying to box me in by saying no. hey hey you know you haven't voted in the last primaries in a while huh and, and just like yeah well I, I don't really care about no the I, I I had no idea you didn't vote in the primaries I, I yeah it, it probably didn't even recall what your registration was I figured it was probably Democrat but didn't know I mean it, it might as well be at this point. Right, uh, but I, I don't really care who wins the Democratic nomination. It doesn't. I, I'm going to vote for them no matter what over whoever the Republican is. So it, <laughs> it doesn't. It, it, yeah, it's not important to me in that sense. Well, at least it's not going to be Rick Santorum, right? Uh, you know. So uh, then you, know, you came back. Which part? Whichever party you want to influence. I'm like, I didn't ask how to decide. I was said, you know, which one is going to be worth voting for by the time the primary gets to Pennsylvania. Which one and, do you think I? Who do you think I am, Nate Silver? Exactly. Yeah, Why are you asking me? Because you know things. I don't know this. 
<laughs> you have opinions on everything except for when I ask you a direct question. Yeah, my mind is full of nonsense, but that doesn't mean that my mind is full of all nonsense. <laughs> I think that was probably the biggest thing where I opened up the show saying you've been intolerable. I'm like, yeah. just give me an answer. You know, I'm not going to follow your answer blindly. I want your opinion on this. You know, what do you think? <laughs> okay, so we were, so we were sort of talking past each other a bit. Then. Um, all right, let's see what else we got. So uh, this whole the whole Oregon thing happened when Ava Goda died. Ava Goda died. Okay. And I said, you know, man, Ava Goda dies and the whole world goes to shit. Okay. I thought it was funny. That was one of my truths. Anyway. <laughs> uh, oh, this I, I like this one. Uh, remember when people cared about Google Doodles? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, now there's 340 a year. Yeah. Just funny to think, oh yeah, that used to be a thing. <laughs> I tried playing the um Scoville the Scoville Pepper game at a game on Scoville's birthday. Oh really? I couldn't figure the fucking game out. I couldn't win this to get past the second round. Okay, so let's see some other stuff that you missed. Uh seriously guys, Bigfoots are just bears. That's it. <laughs> Really not big hard. hairy gay men that's all bigfoots are <laughs> yes precisely no i mean bears walk on two feet sometimes they can appear gaunt did you see that picture of that bear walking at the zoo the kind of yeah look, yeah look kind of like um one of the yogi bear like and you look at that and, and you look at other pictures that people have had of bears walking too, and it's like yeah i could easily see somebody mistaking that for a person mm-hmm. easily Um, a couple uh, story things I, I, I think about. The actor that played Harry and the, the, uh, the Harry from Harry and the Hendersons was also the actor who played the Predator. I thought that didn't I? I heard a weird rumor that that was John Claude Van Damme or something. No, it wasn't. It was uh, some. It was, I forget his name, uh, but he was actually uh, went to school with Penn Hills here, and he's a Pittsburgher, and he died. He got AIDS from a blood transfusion and Ooh, died. The Arthur Ashe way to go. Yeah. That sucks. Okay, so this is just a little, little storytelling thing. But um, sort of, I, I've mentioned it before uh, that stories don't end, they resolve. And, mm-hmm. and this is sort of... Cause I, I forget what I was watching that made me say this. But uh, as you're finishing a story, ask yourself, what will happen next? And then when you have an answer, end your story before that happens. Finish your story, I should say. Mm-hmm. Anyway. But no neat bows, no knots that cannot be undone. Because you want to... <laughs> ending your story, just it feels... In a nice, tight bow, just... There, there's something about it that really feels off. It, it feels fake. I like variety. Sometimes I like getting the story resolved. I guess it depends on the story. Sometimes I want it all resolved. No, resolved is fine, but... Not ended, right? Ended. Like, there's no more questions to be asked. Oh. No. You really see this as a problem when people try to make sequels out of movies that are done. Uh, <laughs> like, there really wasn't much more to, to The Matrix. Right. There wasn't, I mean, it was all kind of, I mean, you, you, they're, they're, I guess, a clever enough filmmaker, which I believe the Wachowskis were, but 
you know, who knows, uh, could come up with some other story in that universe or something. But the story itself had pretty much been tied up. Right. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of the differences, really, because sometimes I like getting all the storylines tied up and not leave. And then other times it's great to, you know, wonder, mm-hmm. you know, think about it. So I, I like the variety. I wish I wouldn't want them all to be, you know, getting past one chapter. Yeah. And then like in no movie ever, like always leaving you hanging on that next chapter. You yeah, know? I, I think the trick is leaving you have to if you the story is best told if it involves a universe that that can continue on even as the main story itself wraps up so so mm-hmm. if there's some world building you should really do some world building in addition to simply telling your story unless it's you know the real world and then <laughs> you don't really need to do real world building but it still helps it helps to who these characters are how how they mm-hmm. interact with other people right. um see and then it can go horribly wrong doing that too like you can do bruce almighty and then do evan almighty just to have some <laughs> other character that happens to go through the same shit uh let's see is there anything else uh no i think that's it all right i want some beer anyway so. all right good pre-show good talk good talk <laughs>